Our Old Testament lesson today starts with Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 7. I'll actually back us up to verse 5. Exodus 33, verse 5. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Verse 7, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And Moses went into the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Verse 14, the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. Verse 19, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 and following. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do all you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And, verse 11, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. 
so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Then from Mark, Mark chapter 6 and verses 31 and 32. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, that's Jesus, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And then finally, every week, we will read these two verses from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 and 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Disciplines of discipleship. Sounds like a lot of work, huh? So this Lent, I am not promising you a burden-free life. I'm not selling you an effortless existence. But I'm also not demanding that you hurry up and perform better either. For the next seven weeks, I'm calling you to subtract some things from your life that you don't really want anyway. And I'm inviting you to replace them with things that ultimately you really do want. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. You and I can't be fully alive without drawing near to Jesus and following his ways. The disciplines of discipleship are simply ways to practice the presence of God in Jesus Christ. And it's important to know that the goal is not disciplines or having done them. The goal is what? The goal is God's grace and goodness coming to govern all aspects of our lives for his glory and for our good. And so we have the disciplines of discipleship. And this week, first, silence and solitude. This first discipline of discipleship calls us to get out of our rushed and hurried and noisy lives, to get out for long enough to experience God and experience our true humanity in Jesus Christ. So from the Bible, I want to show you how silence and solitude can call us to three things. Silence and solitude calls us to get out of the camp, to get out of the way, and to get out of yourself. Get out of the camp, get out of the way, get out of yourself. So first, get out of the camp. Look at Exodus 33 again. Moses was called to lead a stiff-necked people. That's what God called them, and you know, Moses didn't disagree. Moses basically said, I can't camp with these people. I can't move with these people unless you give me nothing less than yourself. And the Lord agreed. Verse 11, the Lord would speak with Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. 
So Moses got out of the camp. He went in solitude to be with the Lord. And in his solitude, he experienced God face to face. What's crazy is that Moses got out of a quarrelsome camp full of stiff-necked people. And you know what he did with his solitude before the Lord? Well, he argued with God. Isn't this crazy? Moses had enough time alone with the Lord to be finally comfortable arguing with the Lord. You can only have real arguments with two kinds of people, right? People you don't care about and people that you deeply love. With everybody else, you're just polite. Moses was God's friend, and so he argued with him. David was God's friend, so he argued with him. And their arguments are all over the Pentateuch and all over the Psalms. Read them for yourself. It's only in solitude with God that you are safe enough finally to say what you're really thinking, what you're really feeling in your soul. Now, Moses argued with God, made demands of God, and God didn't give Moses exactly what Moses wanted. Moses said, if you don't show me your glory, I'm not going back to the camp with those stiff-necked people. But because of their friendship in Moses' solitude, God gave Moses not what he wanted, but what he really needed. A glimpse of the backside of the Lord's goodness. Israel would never make it out of the desert and into the promised land without Moses's solitude, without the intimate friendship, without the authentic argument, without this vision of God's goodness. If you've got kids, you've got to get out of the camp. If you're leading, serving, helping, deliberating, you've got to get out of the camp. If you want to be human, then you've got to get out of the camp. Get alone enough to speak to God. Get quiet enough to experience God. Get needy enough to demand that God show you his goodness. Lay hold of him and say, I'm not letting you go until you bless me with your own presence. What happens to us if we never get out of the camp? Well, we become the stiff-necked Stubborn, burnt out, loudmouthed, pathetic people who can't bear the peace of Christ in the world the way that we were supposed to as we're leading, serving, and helping. So get out of the camp and know the power of the resurrection, the intimacy of God's smile in Christ, the heart behind his commandments, and the sweetness of his grace. I wonder what you need to do to become face-to-face friends with God? Do you need to wake up before the noise starts, before the demand to perform presses in on you? Do you need your own tent of meeting, some place to go each day to meet with the Lord Jesus? Do you need a regular quiet retreat to be with God? There's a thousand things you could try, but one thing is for certain. You can't serve the stiff-necked people in the camp without becoming a stiff-necked person yourself, unless you get out of the camp and go be alone with the Lord. So you got to get out of the camp. And then secondly, you've got to get out of the way. You've got to get out of the way. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 to 12 again. 
the church at Thessalonica, they had a love that was famous. Chapter one and four both say this. And so Paul says, keep going, keep excelling in love. And what does next level love look like for the Thessalonians, for us? See, you start by loving others in words and deeds, and you often do it in fast and famous ways as the Thessalonians did. But you excel in love when you start loving out of the resources of a quiet life. If my apartment building caught on fire, I would gladly be the hero. I'd save my wife and my kids. Uh, My wife would want me to save her guitar probably. Then I'd go around to all the rest of the people living in our apartment, make sure the old ladies in in the building are safe. And having rescued everybody, I'd get my picture in the Milan Anzeiger. I'd be famous for a weekend. But here's the thing. If I'm going to love the people that actually live every day in my own apartment, especially during a lockdown, let alone my neighbors week after week, year after year, so that they experience the love of Christ in and through me, well, then I can't run on heroic adrenaline forever. What I need is a deep well of living water. I need roots that are sunk deep into the soil of God's goodness. So to excel in love, Paul says, this is amazing. You've got to make it your ambition. You've got to strive to live a quiet life to mind your own business, to work with your hands. In other words, to get out of the way. Why? So that you won't need anyone's approval or praise, so that you don't need your picture in the newspaper, so that you don't, so that you depend on no one but the Lord to tell you who you are and ultimately what you must do. Now, I don't know about you, but I, for one, I'm tired of trying to love while depleted of the very presence of God. It's exhausting. And so discipleship demands silence and solitude in God's presence. Because every time that we rush to show up to try to say just the right thing, to try to do just the right thing in just the right way, you know what we're tempted to do? We're trying to tweak people's opinions of us just a little bit with every word and action so we need silence away from others. But you know what? Everyone around you needs you to get out of the way and be quiet too. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was right. He says, let, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. He will only do harm to himself and to everyone else because right speech comes out of silence. We've got to get out of the way. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says gently, work and quiet. These are the things that you need so that you can love beyond mere activity and talking. That's the first letter to the Thessalonians. But by the time he writes 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, he had to be even more explicit because he's heard the report of them. And he says to them, in the name of Jesus Christ, we command you to stop being busybodies. You are doing, 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 but your doing is disruptive. 
Don't you remember when I taught you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life? See, the church and the world do not need busybodies. Busybodies poison communities by their need to be heard and need to be needed. Busybodies bring their drained emotions and their sleep deprivation and their gossip-addicted ears and their chattering mouths into every relationship. Busybodies, you know, that's what we would all become if we don't learn to get out of the way, if we don't strive to lead a quiet life, if we don't learn the Savior's heart in the secrecy of silence and solitude. So here's a little rule for you. Ready? This isn't thus saith the Lord. This is just Andy speaking here. Somebody asks you to join their committee, to play your instrument, to join the cleanup crew, to lead a Bible study, to host a small group, or even to serve on the council. Ready? Say no. Be polite, but just say no. You're already busy. And then after you've said no, get out of the way. Go into silence and solitude and pursue the Lord's heart. And then, if you sense Jesus calling you to be open to doing what you've been asked to do, then circle back and say, you know, I've prayed about it. And if you still need me, I'm open to hearing more about what it would look like to serve. What could happen? One of two things. Either they say, great, thanks. Or they say, oh, I got somebody else to do it. See, it's going to get done without you anyway. Disciples of Jesus are people who are disciplined no-sayers. We must get out of the way. We say no to most things so that we can give a wholehearted, joyful, energetic yes to just a couple of things. So that we can do all things nourished, by plenty of silence and solitude in God's refreshing presence. So you got to get out of the camp. You got to get out of the way. And then lastly, you need to get out of yourself. Get out of yourself. When so many people are coming and going, impressed with you, disappointed by you, demanding things of you, Jesus calls you, calls us, Mark 6, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, when Jesus said this to the disciples, you know what they did? They just walked away from the crowd that had all shown up just for them. And they got in a boat while everyone's still coming and going. And they just rowed away until they couldn't hear the demands or the praises of the people anymore. Can you believe that? The disciplines of silence and solitude, friends, they're not selfish. You know why? Selfish says, I can do this by myself. But Jesus says, come with me by yourself to a quiet place. You see, with silence and solitude, you can finally get out of yourself now, are you still a little skeptical about silence and solitude after all this? Well, the Lord Jesus himself entered into silence and solitude all the time, but there are two times that stand out. Number one, 
Jesus has not started his ministry yet. He is baptized. And then he immediately goes out, led by the Spirit, into the solitary places to be alone for 40 days with his heavenly Father. He lived on every word that came from his Father's mouth. He drew strength. And he was ready, finally. And then, in our frail human flesh, Jesus goes into direct conflict with the devil. And for the first time, under this terrible temptation, a true human actually triumphs. Solitude got him out of himself and brought him into the strength of his father and under the conviction and the encouragement of the word and the spirit. And as a result of this, he stood the test. And from that day on, the forces of evil knew that they were doomed. And then at the end of his ministry, he once again goes off by himself into the garden this time, into solitude. When he got there, he was so sorrowful that he could die, he says. By the time he left that solitude, he was confident in his father's goodness and power, and he was ready to go and lay down his life, even for his enemies. See what's happening here? Our Savior saved us by the strength that he drew from his silence and his solitude. You need to get out of the camp. (laughs) You need to get out of the way. But you also need to get out of yourself. Get away so that you can find yourself in Jesus Christ, who loved you and gave himself for you. So that you can stop pleasing people and stop pretending to perform perfectly. So that you can find yourself in Jesus. So that in and with him, you can find yourself completely in your father's hands, wrapped in your father's good pleasure. The world is full of people clamoring for your attention, demanding your performance, and ready to get rid of you the minute that you disappoint them. Sadly, the church is sometimes full of the same attitudes, but Jesus has an easy yoke and a light burden. He's won your salvation, and he invites you to walk alongside of him. So strengthen yourself for service through the gift and the discipline of silence and solitude in the presence of your Savior. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.